please welcome to our Christmas special. Merry Christmas, everyone. This episode's dropping on Christmas, so we're going to be a little bit festive. We should have wore a Santa hat yeah. or something. Uh, we're welcoming Chad Wiseman, the current Guelph Storm assistant coach, and he played played in a lot of places pro hockey, so we're pretty pumped for this one. Should be a good one. How's it going, Chad? Good. Thanks for having me there, Matt. Nathan, appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming on. And I guess just to bang off the first question, we have tons of questions here for you like throughout all your hockey career, but just to kick it off, I mean, all of our other athletes and stuff, we, we tell them like, how are you dealing with COVID? So as you like for a coach, how, how is that kind of like mentally, is it hard, challenging, like run us through what's going on? Sure. I mean, I think it's, everyone has their own challenges, you know, uh, around the world and, and, you know, within our community as well. But uh, you know, for me personally, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. I have a wife, two children, uh, Mason, who's eight, Kai, who's 14, a uh, house full of pets to keep us busy. Um, we, we just moved, so we, we had a large property uh, we're rebuilding now. But uh, for the first uh, initial part of COVID, we were fortunate where we had a, a large property. We can get out and, and be active, uh, you know, run around the lake, walk around the lake, things like that. Obviously, this, this takes its toll on people in different ways. Um, you know, so so having a family and, and, and some pets, to be honest with you, has has, has helped the, the transition here. Um, and obviously things have gotten a little bit worse where we're slowly going back to work um, in the office most days, preparing for the season, which got pushed back twice now in the OHL. Right. Um, so obviously it's a bit frustrating from that standpoint. But at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, the health and safety of all the, the athletes and the, and the staff is really, really important. So um you know for me uh, staying active uh I try to work out as much as i can as often as i can for for my own mental my mental uh, well-being um you know obviously i'm fortunate to spend a lot of time with my children so uh they keep me nice and busy yeah fair enough. yeah so what, what do you got do you, can you give us a little bit inside scoop as you said um you were in the the ohl meeting on tuesday are they not even putting a date on it anymore or are they just saying it's postponed right now yeah the um the press release that came out yesterday, I believe, just it didn't have a date on it. That's public knowledge. It was uh, just saying that we're pushed back again. And um, I think they're just reluctant to put a date on it when there's so much uncertainty. Are you thinking that it's not going to be till next September? They're just going to skip the season? Or what What, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I'm just, I would be speculating. Uh, I'm optimistic in the sense that uh, uh, we get through the Christmas holidays here in the new year. There's some light at the end of the tunnel. There's vaccines coming out. Um, when they're going to be accessible, obviously, we don't know exactly, but uh, I'd like to believe there's some kind of hockey for, for everybody, not just the OHL, um, whether it's, uh, you know, March, April, May. Um, I, I, again, I'm, I'm real optimistic, but it's just me being hopeful. So, like, for you, is it just, um, is it just, like, skates or stuff like that? Like, I know talking to Matt, like, they've, like they've been doing inner squads and stuff like that with the team. Is that kind of, like, what, what you're running right now? Sure. And yeah, and I, so it's, uh, there's a lot of local players, a lot of local Guelph uh, kids, OHL players. Uh, we do have some, so, uh, some younger players, some, some pro guys. Um, and then obviously with, depending on what zone we're in or what color zone is, is affected the amount of players on the ice and then how we're uh, allowed to be uh, in some kind of, what kind of contact we're allowed to be in on the ice. So when we, uh, when we started with 10 total people, which would be nine players or usually eight players, a goalie myself, it's, it's strictly based around skill development so we can keep our, our distance and be safe on the ice. And then once things kind of let up a bit, uh, small areas and scrimmages were allowed, our numbers went up to 24. Mm -hmm. um, so we could run a more, more of a regular style practice. 
yeah. which was a nice change for the players because, you know, I think we did about 10 weeks of straight skill development and, and people need variety and, and uh, players at any level get a little bored. So uh, players want to compete. And now we're back to, to 10 again. Well, we were back to 10 there for, for a few weeks and then and, and there's nothing. So it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but from a, from a global standpoint, I hope people understand that um, running around and, and I'm not, I'll use hockey as an example because it's, it's my life, but people uh, so anxious to get on the ice and, and maybe go to the wrong areas and travel and, and do things uh, unsanctioned is, is probably one of many reasons we're in a worse spot now, but uh, yeah. I think people just need to be patient and, and hockey will be back again at some point. Yeah, that's the main thing. And just kind of want my, put my two cents in there, like relating like to my life, like I've been really wanting to go to like the ski slopes, right? Snowboard and that's even going to be closed and it's like an outdoor thing. So I feel like the main thing is just people have to be patient and understand like we'll have to take a couple weeks just to, you know, narrow down on things so we can get back to at least that, you know, 10 player practice or whatever. Right. So. Absolutely. There's a lot of people affected by this. Uh, a lot of uh, athletes at different levels, whether it's players getting drafted OHL players in their overage year, uh, you know, junior players, maybe that were going to come to the OHL that looking to get scholarships. So it's, it's not just one age group. It is from the top all the way down to the bottom. It's, it's unfortunate, but uh, yeah, we got to be patient. We've got to wait this thing out. And again, there's some light at the end of the tunnel here where, uh, you know, I, I think we can all agree there's a good chance we're all going to be back on the ice in a, in a handful of months and things will be uh, as close to normal as, as it's been in a long time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And just, just yeah, your skates are great too. Just wanted to throw that out before we get into the career. You got your skates are <laughs> Thanks, awesome. Man. Skates are very fun, which I like. Uh, there's not many... There's a, I don't want to sound like a like a player who doesn't like to work hard, but there's a lot of drills I don't like doing, or there's a lot of coaches that will run these drills and I'll be like, really? But rarely happens with you. And uh, we got Pevs there too, which we're going to get on. And we've been playing this for a while. Our, our goal podcast to make happen in the next five or six months is we're going to get Pev, Peverly on with Greg Campbell. Nice. And nice. that's our podcast. So Greg, <laughs> Greg Campbell is our that's his name right gregory campbell yeah. he's our he was me and nate's leadership brother teacher's brother nice i played with i played with soupy in um in the ohl my uh he would be a couple of years younger than me i think okay um so we played in plymouth together lost in the finals to ottawa uh my last year in ohl was 2000 um so there was uh some uh redemption there when we beat ottawa in the finals there as a coach so i it would have been heartbreaking to uh, to lose twice my two finals in, in the OHL to Ottawa, <laughs> but uh, we were fortunate enough to pull it out. That's awesome. well, there we go. You know, you know both of them for us. <laughs> so we'll yeah, jump yeah. right. We'll jump right into the career now, and we got a lot of questions, so we won't we won't ask you everything in this because we get we'd be here for hours. But <laughs> just starting in, like you're you're in quite a hockey family, I'd assume. You you own Elite Prospects, and yet uh, your three brothers and your dad on the the page which not many people have um so i believe your one brother played in canisius your dad played in the q is that right yeah american hockey league uh, quebec league and major Ooh. junior uh the ihl yeah he played played some pro hockey quite a bit of pro hockey uh i have four brothers actually so one uh one stopped at the junior a level um for the cougars uh, no actually maybe he didn't even play for the cougars he might have stopped at minor mid or midget uh back what's called midget then so u18 um, but yeah, no, I, we come from a hockey family, a long line of, of athletes. Uh, my mom was actually a professional figure skater. 
Oh, cool. Um, so she, she taught me how to skate, and that, that was my skating background. Uh, my oldest brother went to um, uh, Lake Forest in, in Chicago. Um, and then uh, my, so my, brother, my youngest brother, Tyler, went to Canisius. He played some pro hockey um, in Germany for three or four years. He coached with me, actually, in the Women's National League. Uh, he does a lot of skill work here in Guelph as well, uh, so still very much involved in hockey. Um, and then my one brother, Jared, uh, played some semi-pro um, played for the Cougars and, uh, and junior level. And my one brother, Zach, he's, uh, he's actually a, a prison guard there in Toronto. So, uh, because of COVID, I actually haven't seen him in over 10 months. So, uh, anybody in my family, actually, we've, we've been doing our part in that sense. It's been tough, but some zooms and lots of phone calls for the kids, but, uh, yeah, long line of hockey, hockey, uh, players in the family. It was a competitive household growing up for sure. Yeah. That athletic family for sure. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you jump into the O now, we'll get into the, to, we'll start going through the career. And you jump into the O and you play on Mississauga Ice Dogs. Was that when Don Cherry was around? And what was that like going into, that's not even an organization. Well, they moved to Niagara, but so what was that whole atmosphere like? And was that when Don Cherry was involved? Yeah, so so Don was, was the owner at the time. Uh, we went through a, a handful of coaches the first few years. It was It was a struggle. Um, I was there the inaugural season in 97, I believe, uh, might've been 96, 97, but, um, it was a struggle. I think we won four games all year. Um, obviously, um, just being a new team and coming to the league with the expansion draft, it was probably a little different back then than it would be now. Um, it was, uh, it was a learning curve for sure. Um, I always wanted to play in the OHL. So, so when I was drafted, I knew I was going to play and, and it was relatively close to home, so I'm sure my parents were, were happy at the time when they could see see all the games, even though there wasn't too many that were exciting for the first few years. But um, at the end of the day, they treated us probably just as good or better than any other team in the league. Uh, the amenities that we had in the dressing room, it was a Hershey Center back then, um, whether it was sticks, tape, equipment. Um, there was there was never any issue. There was never a lack of uh, what we would have needed to succeed at the time, just a, maybe a lack of... Uh, the players really is what it came down to. So uh, it was any, at the end of the day, it made me who I am today was part of, part of growing and, and learning. Um, definitely not accepting losing, but how to figure out how to make things better. Uh, but I was fortunate enough there when, when time, the time came, they were willing to move me uh, to a, to a team that had a chance to win, which would have been Plymouth a few years later um, and had an opportunity to win there. Again, that was, a fantastic franchise, uh, great team. We lost to Ottawa, like I said before, in the finals. Um, uh, Pete DeBoer was a coach, Steve Spot, still to this day, probably one of the most influential coaches in my career. Um, somebody who who helped me turn pro quicker than I probably should have. So, uh, you know, I was pretty fortunate. I had some really good coaches, even in, in Mississauga, too. Um, so it was uh, Rick Vive was there and um, uh, and some others that were, were – uh, Unfortunately, didn't stay too long, but uh, again, influential people in your life for sure. So one thing, I, I'm a big Stens fan. I have been since I was like six years old. I think my brother doesn't like the Leafs and he wanted a team. So when he was young, he picked the Sens and he convinced me to like the Sens too when I was young. So my favorite player was Jason Spezza for a long time. And you played with the young Jason Spezza. Sure. Oh, how amazing was he? They used to say, well, I think Spin Chickles the other day said that Jason Spezzo was unreal. He's one of the six players, I think, to play on the World Juniors at 16. Yeah. So what was the young Jason Spezzo like? 
Uh, probably the exact same as he is now. Um, just probably a little bit, a little bit more mature, and uh, he's probably got. I haven't, I haven't spoken to him in years. We ran into each other at a golf tournament a few years ago. Uh, just a big goofy smile, always happy. Um, the way he is at the rink is the way he is away from the rink. If you run into him five years later, nothing's changed. Uh, just, just a good overall human being. Um, you know, I still have a stick in my basement sign saying to my best buddy, Chad Wiseman. So, uh, you know, our relationship was pretty strong. We were, were line mates for years. Um, McGratton ended up being one of our line mates who I had played with before the OHL and then, then a lot of pro games again. So, um, uh, I actually think Rick Five made made uh, wrote a book and made a comment in his in his book about uh, about our line. If we didn't score, then then there was no chance of ever winning a game. So it was uh, we were a little bit top heavy on that front line. But no, Jason's a great guy, stand up guy. Uh, never anything bad to say about him. Again, uh, obviously a fantastic career. I've got an opportunity to follow him like yourself. So um, we stay in touch every once in a while, and I'll see him at some charity golf tournaments. But uh, if I uh, see him, I'll get you some signed if you want their meals. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I'd love it. My brother would like that a lot more than me, though. He's a lot more uh, into it than I am. Nate, awesome. you want to take it away? Yeah, sure. So I guess the next question is just kind of like going down your elite prospects here. So uh, you got drafted San Jose, and then you played like your first year um, in Cleveland as well. So what was hockey like there? Like kind of going to Cleveland and playing in the the AHL. Like just kind of tell us your your experience and like putting points up easy there so from bit and chickles it seemed pretty bad like no one knew there was hockey in cleveland at the time no yeah it was um so they were kentucky thoroughbreds the year before uh they were in the originally in the ihl um so that i missed that year so they moved to cleveland so my first year pro hockey 2000 2001 um so i left the ohl as a 19 year old i didn't come back as an overage uh signed with san jose um and then went to the american league which is cleveland which we played in it was, I think it was called the Gun Center at the time. Um, I don't know what it's called anymore, to be honest with you. Um, and it was obviously it was tough because Cleveland was probably not a hockey town. Uh, Ohio in general probably wasn't a hockey um, state. So it was, uh, it, was, it was probably tough sledding there from a fan standpoint. They did a good job of marketing. Um, we did have weekend games where we'd have a, a decent amount, whether it was you know four or 5,000 people, but you're talking about a 20,000-seat arena. Uh, so it's, it never felt full. Um, again, the amenities were fantastic. The dressing room, everything we needed, uh, from San Jose was, was awesome. Um, I was pretty fortunate where, where we had a really older group, Mike Craig, who was an ex leaf, uh, Joel Perpick, uh, big six foot seven center, who, <laughs> uh, was a fantastic guy. Um, Steve Bancroft, who was a Leafs first round draft pick. I believe I actually ran into Steve last year. Like these guys were were mentors to me, but they, uh, Ryan Kraft, who might be somebody you don't know, but he, he did play games in the NHL for San Jose. These these were fantastic people um, that kind of paved the way for me. Uh, accepted, uh, I was one one of only few rookies or younger guys on the team, so uh, accepted and were you know I was playing cards with these guys in the back of the bus as as a 19 year old, and um, they made it a, a comfortable. Uh, I guess you call it like a safe environment for myself where, where I felt uh, included, uh, which I, I, I like to believe they did for the others as well. You, you know, you try to think back, but uh, awesome guys. So the experience was good. Uh, the team was, was uh, we did okay for a few years. I don't think we made the playoffs, uh, but it's a tough, it's an it's interesting league because it's a developmental league for the NHL and it's a feeder. 
Um, so you could be in first place by Christmas and you know, NHL loses some guys and they, they take your top players, your older guys or whoever it might be. And, and you could go on a bit of a, a losing skid there. So uh, kind of happened to us a little bit. Uh, I remember that year with goaltending, Vesatoskla was there. We lost him for a while. So, uh, but the overall experience in Cleveland was great. I, I actually liked Cleveland. There was there was lots to do. Uh, stay busy. We went. To, we had free tickets to the Cavs games back then. So on the floor. That's, that's but uh, awesome. that was that was uh, you know before LeBron James. So when LeBron James came in, they they weren't free <laughs> anymore. So yeah, that, that, uh, Cleveland's where our buddy Zach Dolpe's now the cap. It seems like. Um, I don't want to say it's better. You made it seem like it's pretty good, but when they had that playoff run, I think the year before Dolphy got there, a couple of years ago, they were selling out the rank every game. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I'm out of touch. I've been there and geez, I mean, it's been 20 years. So, yeah. Uh, well, that's awesome that they've, they've grown the sport in that area. So, good for them. Yeah, yeah even watching Columbus and stuff, right? They, Columbus has grown tremendously. Sure. Yeah, that was my first thought too, is like Zach Dolphy, right? And like Columbus, like the whole kind of Cleveland area, I guess it's, it's definitely still like developing in hockey. I feel like it's 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 growing. Like it's probably more of a football football say anyways. But I feel like hockey for sure is getting getting a little bit better down there too. So yeah, I'm sure it's. I mean, hockey it, it grows around the world, you know, daily. So um, there's a lot of fantastic programs out there that uh, promote the sport um, in different areas of, of our country in the U.S. So uh, and around the world, and especially women's hockey as well. Right? It's it's rapidly growing. Might be the yeah, quickest, fastest growing sport. So it's it's really great to see. Yeah, for sure. So you jump into pro hockey, and you said maybe even you went. You think you went too early, possibly looking back. But you put up fifty points ever in your first three seasons. Like how was the adjustment that easy, or was it a pretty hard adjustment? Like fifty points in your first three seasons is is quite good. Well, I don't think I went in too early. I mean, I you could I could have. Back then, there was no salary cap. I could have come back to which I was an overage back to oh, Plymouth, probably, no, yeah, I, you know, I and uh, and uh, signed as a free agent somewhere. But the time, I you know, the opportunity with San Jose was good, so so I decided to jump on it. Uh, no, it's it's not easy. It's 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 a it's a grind, and I think that the time I spent, uh, the three four months I spent in Plymouth, prepared me um, to be successful. I guess at at the next level because. Uh, your habits at the junior level. Um, I think the kids now have more resources, uh, more people helping. Um, so the kids are more aware of, of what to expect in the future, where back then there wasn't as much help. The resources weren't there. There were no skills coaches. The, the video was limited. Um, so so I think the coaching staff prepared me best, uh, Spotter and, and Pete DeBoer, to, to jump into pro hockey. And I think that's why my transition was pretty successful. Um, early, and I think I had a little bit of a lull there in my, my second or third year. But um, uh, you know, I, I, I give them a lot of credit for for preparing me for for uh, for that. But no, it, it's not easy. You 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 move away from home at nineteen or twenty. Uh, yes, you've been with the billet for three years, but you didn't really cook on your own. You didn't uh, you didn't pay your own bills. You didn't have uh, a rent to pay. You know, like just stuff in your life as you become an adult that. Um, that you've never experienced, right? I remember in Cleveland, I, I lived in my own apartment and had had a, a rent, and I had to pay my bills. And I had one futon and one bed and one and one TV, and that was it in a in a one bedroom apartment, right? And it's just it's sink or swim, you know. Go to the grocery store and buy your groceries and learn to eat. And when do I go to the rink? At what time do I go to the rink? When do I go to bed? How do I pregame that? When do I eat before games? Yeah. So like these are all things that you 
experience at a, at a, at a level in the OHL, but you're, you're always having support and then you get to, to the pro hockey and, and uh, you're on your own. So uh, you grow up in a hurry, that's for sure. And uh, those, those experiences probably, uh, you know, matured me a little faster than anything else. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Like, like you said, growing up on your own with no, no help for sure. I'm, I'm, that's probably a scary thing, right? When you're a whole different kind of country, right? And at least, um, you probably had. Did you have like any good teammates or like any good like mentors that kind of helped you through that in, in Cleveland at all? Oh yeah. Well, that's what I said before. Like just touching on it again, like uh, you know, Mike Craig and Steve Bancroft and Joel Perpic, Ryan Kraft. Um, there was also some younger guys there that were college guys, so they're a little older than me. Uh, Jesse Febriger, uh, Rob Davison. Um, these are guys. These are guys that uh, we all became pretty close friends. I still stay in touch with with some of these guys today. But yeah, yeah. I mean, just just a funny story. I remember so this is two thousand one. I remember the season was over. I had a smaller Jeep, and my parents drove down and gave me their minivan uh, to pack all my stuff in because I could fit it in their truck or their van. And a week before, so I uh, packed my stuff up. The season was over, and and I got a flat tire. I don't know, twenty minutes into my ride home, and it's not far away. I mean, Cleveland's like three and a half, four hours maybe. And uh, but back then we didn't have cell phones, so you know I got a flat on the road. I'm just turned twenty, um, running up a hill to try to find a payphone to call my dad, be like, <laughs> hey, and you know that's when my dad's just like, you know what, you can't help you. Uh, <laughs> go back to your truck and the spares in the back and read the manual and figure it out. So. I get another experience that uh, you, you won't forget, but uh, you know, so I recommend to teach your kids how to change a tile yeah. tire when yeah. they're real, real young. Yeah, for sure. That's there's crazy. no cell phones. There's no YouTube or anything, too. Oh no, I could you 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 figure it out your own. You have to learn how to read or figure. Or I hope you learn how to read before. So um, no, it's it's an interesting experience, but it's just funny because it's not that long ago, and and I didn't get a cell phone until my third year of pro hockey. I had a, I had a house phone. Oh, okay, how long does it take you? <laughs> To what? To, to put the tire back on. Uh, I was fortunate. So I, I actually emptied because like, the spare tire was inside the van on the bottom. So I had like a futon, a mattress. I have, uh -huh. I'm, on the, I'm on the highway. I think it's the 90 there. And I'm pulling everything off onto the side of the highway. Got the tire out. And I, I've got everything set up, ready to go. And, and the, just a truck just pulled up. Uh, like a, I don't know what, like a service truck that goes up and down the highway. And the guy was there. And, and oh, he helped yeah. me out. He put, put it on the together so it took me longer to get everything out of the van and get everything back in the van than it did to actually put the tire on <laughs> that's good at least so we'll talk about now your your and your first nhl call this is one we'd like to ask everyone who's who's played in the nhl and because it's so special to even just to have one game in there and so where were you how'd you get the news and i'm sure you still remember it so how'd you get the news and how did that all play out your first call up that was um uh, Roy Sommer would have been the one that called me. Uh, he was a head coach in Cleveland at the time. Uh, that was my second, no, that was my, yeah, my second year. No, sorry, sorry. Um, no, sorry. I didn't get called up in, um, from Hartford would have been to New York, right? Nope. You might want to edit. You no, know, sorry. You might want to edit this. No, I did play. Sorry. I did play four games with San Jose. So it was Roy Sommer that called me. I can't, to be honest with you, I don't remember where I was. Um, I just remember the, the date because it, it, uh, I wore number three my whole entire life. And this is, sounds kind of corny, but I wore number three until junior. And I still would have wore number three, but um, somehow I thought it'd be uncool to play in the OHL and wear number three as a forward. <laughs> um, probably my own, one of my only regrets, I should have kept number three. 
Um, <laughs> but I got called up my first time was March 3rd, 2003 is, was my first call up to the NHL. So I remember the date specifically. I flew in to, to Edmonton at the time um, and played my first game there. Uh, I don't know how many can you tell me minutes I played. It was maybe seven or eight. Uh, I think I took a minor and I was minus one. But I, I played with Vinny Domfus that day. Uh, I was one of my line mates. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's an experience for sure. I, I'll never forget. So we'll jump into to your for uh, to your goal when you're playing on New York. Run us through that. Where was that? What goalie was it on? Yeah, so that was I was with uh, the Rangers at the time um, in in Madison Square Gardens. Uh, my parents were there, but they didn't see the goal. Um, it was against New Jersey. Uh, it's kind of funny because I ended up spending four years with their association uh, at the end of my career. Um, I was playing with Lindros and Matthew Barnaby were my line mates at the time. Um, start the third period. I think we were down. Uh, they were up, up two one or no? Sorry, we were we were tied two two, and uh, puck just. I think Barnby will say he passed it over, but I think he tried to make an extra move, lost it, and it kind of ended up on my stick, uh, just just to the left of the hash marks or the right of the goalie, and I just just uh, had a quick release and 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 uh, Broder was the goalie at the time, and it it, uh, it beat him over the glove. So I get some laughs sometimes with some friends and. I always make uh, say uh, Marty's got a slow glove, but uh, <laughs> I think we know that's probably not true. Uh, parents were actually were there and um, and uh, in the washroom at the time. It was the first, first shift of the third period, so the parents heard, heard a roar, uh, came out, and that I remember my dad telling me like um, we knew it was you. It was just one of those feelings. Sure enough, they announced it, announced it, and they missed it. But I've actually never, funny enough, I've never actually seen the goal. I mean, you know, if that happened now, I could watch it on YouTube or or social media or wherever, but, uh, I've actually never seen, uh, my goal ever. I, oh, really? I, That's remember kind of it, sad. <laughs> I remember it in my mind, but, uh, I don't have a video of it. Um, you know, I've always thought about calling them and I don't know if they can send VHS tapes to mail or, or whatnot. And I don't, I don't know if I could play it. So, um, yeah, no, I've never seen, never seen it, uh, on TV. Yeah. You gotta get that tape. Don't we? You gotta get, cool. you can show your kids and stuff too then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's a pretty cool. Marty Broder is a pretty cool goalie to get your first goal on for sure. Yeah, were you ever like starstruck like when you get called up? Like were were you like ever intimidated or like like run us through your mindset of like your first kind of game? Was it was it pretty pretty intense or? Um, no, not so much the games. I think when you you get into a game situation, you settle in and you're just playing hockey and everything else kind of fades away. That nervousness you might have the first shift or through warm-up will, will go as, as you start competing. Uh, for me, it was probably more training camps, you know, as a younger younger athlete showing up and, you know, Owen Nolan or, you know, again, Vinny Domfus or uh, Mark Messier and, and these guys that you just get to camp. So you you get a, you know, whether it's intimidated or you, you take a step back to to uh, to watch and, and, you know, it's probably the worst thing you can do when you need to go in there with that attitude, like I don't, don't care who you are or, or, or what you've done, but you know, those are the guys that probably uh, stand out a little bit earlier or, or make it a little earlier. So, um, you know, I wish there was times I went into camp like, with a little bit more of that attitude than, than sit back and, and I guess probably in awe would be, be the right, right, yeah. right terminology where, you know, you, you know, you're on the ice. I went with, signed with Washington and you're playing with Ovechkin and you just, <laughs> you get glued to watching them and you're not really paying attention to anything else or focusing on the things that matter to you. Yeah. So it's a, it's a tough balance because you want to enjoy the moment. You want to learn all the time, uh, but you also want to compete and you want to show well. So, um, 
but yeah, absolutely. You're, it's, 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 you're not, not human if you're not not when you're out there with some of those, those special players. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. What about MSG? Did you have a chance to play at MSG? Yeah, I played. That was my, my first goal was there. So. Oh, I thought it was in New Jersey. No, no, it was in, it was in Mass Square Gardens. It was, it was against New Jersey. Um, no, that's a, it's a pretty special place and I've been back to it since and, and I still have some good relationships there. So I was there a few years ago and I, after the renovation, so they've done a fantastic job, but, uh, you know, just what a city in general, right? That you're a young man and it's it, the city in general might be, might be more overwhelming than being on the ice with some of the guys when you're walking around and you're, you're 21, um, and you come from a smaller town where, uh, you don't need to be worried or people aren't bumping into you on the streets or subways and stuff like that. So uh it's a great experience it's, it's overwhelming for sure um but the uh the energy and the history in that building is is unreal i, I suggest anybody has an opportunity to go there and just watch a game in their lifetime you know for me it's the same in chicago like to go watch the cubs play um you don't even have to be a baseball fan it's just it's there's an energy there there's an excitement people are fantastic they're true sports fans or it's they're it's, it's a great it's a great place to watch uh watch a sports event yeah that for sure now, we're skipping over a lot here, but we can't keep you here forever. So you ended up going over to Germany in the 2007-8 season. Um, and why was that? Uh, why, why did you decide to go out to Europe? And then you ended up coming back too. So what was your experience like in Germany? And then what was the decision like to go over there for a year? I think at that time I had played six years in the American League, only played uh, 10 or 11 games uh, in the NHL. Um, I think you get a, a, a little bit of frustration where, um, you know, your the timing's not working or um, I, I was unfortunate with injuries. I ended up having, uh, by the time my career was over, I had uh, 11, 12 surgeries, 10 of them on my groins, one on my hip and then a facial reconstruction, but which didn't affect my hockey really. But um, at the time, I think the six years in America League was a grind. Um, I was a bit stalemated and, um, had an opportunity to go over. Uh, I probably had an opportunity to go to Germany in the lockout year, which, which if I had one regret, that probably would have been it, because um, I could have gone over, uh, not wasted a year of, of eligibility in America, where you become like basically an overage player, right? Or um, same idea as, as the OHL. So um, I went over, and and my issue, my in, you know personal or internal issue was I had lost that drive to. Uh, when I was there in Germany to play in the NHL. I didn't lose the drive to play in the NHL. I wanted to play in the NHL, but I couldn't play in the NHL. So yeah. I lost that drive where I was already at the highest level in Germany and it just didn't sit well with me. So um, financially, it was fantastic being over there. I probably could have stayed for a long time um, and, and reaped a little bit more of the rewards and coming back to the American League. Uh, but for me, I needed that push to something to strive for and the NHL was always it. So... Um, I had come back and, and signed with New Jersey at that year. And then that's really when I had two groin surgeries before, but that's when, when things went south there with uh, New Jersey. And, and they were, I mean, you want to talk about a first-class organization with, with Lou Lamarillo there, like uh, they were the best. I was there, spent four years there. Um, I always joke around that my medical bills were probably more than my salary because um, I had about six surgeries with them and hip surgeries. And, and he's the kind of guy who just, he just kept bringing me back because he liked me as a person, he knew um, that I that I was a good role model for his younger guys. I could help with development and be a leader. Um, so I've got uh, the utmost respect for the organization for Lou himself. Um, it kept me probably in the game a little bit longer, or in 
in the America League a little longer than I should have, you know, playing 30, 40 games a year because of my injuries. So um, pretty grateful for that, but um, nothing but good things to say about that man for sure. Yeah, that's good to hear. We don't mean to put you on the spot, but we, we would we would like to ask you here. So you played in six, you've played for six different um, uh, AHL teams, and we want to know what was your favorite team to play for? Uh, obviously, the city's a big factor. Obviously, like, we're big spit and chickens guys, and they, they talk about how big of a difference being somewhere hot makes or being in a nice city, especially when you're in the AHL. Yeah, you said a lot of things go into answering that question. Um, it's it's not even just the city. It's the NHL team that's associated, associated with that team, um, how you're treated. So um, it's, it's really tough because, I mean, pretty first class organizations I was with. So we were, I was treated really well, um, from every association, San Jose, um, New York, um, uh, New Jersey, obviously. And then, and then Washington, I was only there for a year, but if I just had to pick an American league city, uh, to play in, I mean, Hershey was, is one of the best American hockey league cities. Um, you, at the time, again, I haven't followed it for years, but at the time we lost the finals the year I was there. Um, uh, the rink was packed. It's, it's nine, 10,000 every single night. It's a small town. Um, you know, like they, the restaurants take care of you. They've got good meal plans, like silly things like that. Um, the facility in Hershey is, is fantastic. Chocolate, chocolate's obviously great. Um, so like, it, you know, from an American hockey league standpoint, like that was, that was as close to an NHL feeling as you could get on a, on a nightly basis, like going into that rink. Uh, playing against Hershey, I remember it, it's not easy because because of the atmosphere. Um, so if I had to pick one, it would be Hershey for sure. Um, but I mean, I, I really liked Hartford. I think there's a spot in my play, or spot in my heart with Hartford just because that was uh, my first, you know, I, with the Rangers and and uh, I kind of went into a leadership role when I was traded there, and, and we had a great team. And Ryan McGill was our coach. Um, again, uh, you know, Ryan was an influential coach on me. He made me better. Uh, still coaches in NHL to this day. So um, I just really liked Hartford and, and the fan base was typically good. There was times of the year when it wasn't as great, but because we had a winning team when I was there, it was it was always pretty strong. That's awesome. Um, so now I guess kind of just going into it, what was your decision uh, moving into Sweden? Were you just kind of at a point where like, I'm kind of done with, you know, North American hockey, you want to try kind of new different, uh, new different, type of hockey so what was like your mindset kind of moving moving to Sweden yeah I mean unfortunately that was at the end of my surgeries that was um I by that time I had I had my 11 groin surgeries and hip surgery I was I was on the, the verge of retiring um I always wanted to coach that was my passion it's been for a long time before before I retired and and I probably could have spent more time uh when I was near the end of my career preparing for that like that's advice I give young young players that aspire to be coaches is don't, don't waste your time because you have a lot of free time as a pro hockey player. So, um, I could have prepared myself better, uh, smart as you are, or think you are and how well you know the game and how long you played for. It doesn't matter when you start coaching because it's a, it's a different, if it's a different animal. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, at the time I just, nothing was opening up. Um, I, I, I really, um, let's say lost a passion, but I, with my injuries, I was the frustration. I was playing 30 games a year. I was, it hurts to get out of bed. It hurts to walk. And unfortunately you have to pay the bills and, and an opportunity came up and, and, uh, in the, in the first division there. So it wasn't the top league, but, um, you know, it's, it, 
it uh, was a good experience. It was a short time away from my family, so it wasn't too bad. I think I was only ended up being there for about four and a half months, and um, my wife uh, and kids stayed home at the time. And um, and uh, I can say that it was Sund is, is the name of the city I was in, but it was a really cool little hockey town. Um, but the experience was really, really good. I uh, The city was great. There was tons of support there. Everyone knew who you were. It was a really small town, uh, a little bit more northern northern uh, side of sweden um cold very cold uh the, the brand new rank again fan there's not a lot of fans but it was, it was full of 2000 fans a game um organization treated you well so it probably wasn't my dream to go there at the time and uh and to play in that division um but uh it worked out the timing worked out well from i guess needing a job right it's yeah something sure. to pay the bills so it uh I started using my time, you know, if your next question is about Japan, it was kind of a similar situation where uh, financial opportunity came up, which was, which was great, um, but I wanted to coach and I actually turned down uh, a job at that time, which, you know, everything works, works itself out or happens for a reason, but uh, knowing what I know now, I probably would have, would have taken that opportunity. Um, so it's, uh, it was kind of, I spent that year months in sweden that year in japan like building uh or preparing to coach building the drills to hockey share stuff like that like just having a bit of it more of a resume um and just uh, you know information better prepared for for the time when when interviews start coming so um i like both experiences i mean the time in japan was really hard away from my family uh, just because the time change ended up being about 13, 13 hours i think um they don't have daylight savings time so um, 13 hours is I'm waking up and they're going to bed and vice versa. So yeah, to connect with my family was difficult. So I, I really struggled there personally. Um, nothing against Japan and the city. It was fantastic, treated well, uh, food is fantastic. Um, some other reports there were, were great guys. The Japanese players were, were fantastic, super, uh, respectful, uh, and supportive. So, but uh, just being away from the family was tough. And, and I knew that after that year that, that even if I didn't have a coaching job set up, uh, that that was it. I'll, I'll figure it out as I go. Yeah. So just kind of go with the flow kind of thing. As long as you're around hockey, you're happy, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Some, something we talk about with all of our guests, I think, I think as being a teenager who wants to play hockey and stuff for years to come, I think it's super cool that to go play hockey out in Europe and experience living there while playing. I think that's cool to go for a couple of years and see, see what it's like. But one of the questions is, so, Oh, you're in Asia, which is, I think you're the first guest. Now you see the first guest that's ever played in Asia. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't think we've had anyone. Not too so many. What, no. was, what was something that you didn't expect? Like what was something on a daily basis or not on a daily basis about hockey and about just living there in general? Well, what are some little things that you didn't expect? At? The culture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, from a hockey standpoint, um, it was better than I expected. Um, it uh, they they play a fast paced game. Um, I don't know if the the uh, attention to detail wouldn't be there, uh, the physicality wouldn't be there, um, but the game's fast. The skill levels was fairly good. Um, I was I was pleasantly surprised. You know, at that time my career with all my surgeries, everything probably seemed really fast. So uh, I didn't I didn't play the game at a high pace anymore. Um, and their, their culture that they bring, it's, uh, it's pretty unique because they, uh, you know, we talk about culture, you know, within a dressing room or within a team, their culture is, is community-based or like, it's, it's like universal or like where they, 
they're all the same. So that culture that they have outside of the sport is the same culture that comes to the rink and it doesn't change. I, I find that pretty unique um, that they're, they're, they're so disciplined as a country um, and, and nobody really wavers from it and they bring that same culture to the rink, right? So it's, you know, I, I lived on the paper factory there, they own the team and, and we looked on to the paper factory behind every day and, and it doesn't matter if it was minus 20 out in the middle of winter um everyone before they go into their building lines up and they do calisthenics they do a warm-up you know it's like you're you're part of this team you work here we do 15 minutes of a warm-up you know and i always tell everyone like could you imagine you know in in here in in north america and you you know you work at ford factory and you're going to tell your employees are going to line up for 15 minutes in the freezing cold and do a warm-up like it would never happen so i always i always found that like like just just the discipline in their culture and it was it was bought into or believed by every single, I would say every single person, I'm sure there's people that don't, but for the majority, like to, to get a, to get a country to buy into that uh, discipline, I always find really intriguing and, and how do you do that? And, and then then can like for me as a coach, how do I take that and try to like put it into a small group of people, which should be easy. Like mm-hmm. it should be easy to create a culture or an environment of belief uh, within a hockey room because they can do it with a country. Right. So, it's kind of where my mind goes, but I always find found that really, really interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting, especially as a as a coach's thing. You'd probably learn so much from that experience, right? Like going from there, I'm sure that's like pretty beneficial. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a good experience. It was a very disciplined, respectful culture, um, and uh, you know, I, I, uh, I other than missing my family, the the experience was was great. Yeah. Now, now wrapping up, we'll get into your coaching. Obviously, you said you always wanted to be a coach and. So what ended up leading you to women's hockey, correct? Uh, New York River Riverettes. What ended up leading you to women's hockey? Yeah, the New York Riveters, and we changed over to Metropolitan Riveters, which ended up being in New Jersey. Um, it was just an opportunity that came up kind of out of nowhere. Um, uh, you know, to, you know, I spoke to at my time, my agent was Mark Guy in Newport Sports, who just left Newport, but if anyone needs a truck, he, he owns a, a GMC in, in uh, Georgetown now. So good contact to know, but... Uh, the information I received from him and, and other people that are in the hockey community is coaching is coaching. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're if they're youth hockey players or, or male hockey players or female. So the opportunity came up. Um, I thought it was an interesting one, unique. Um, so I jumped on it. And and to be a head coach right away uh, in with a new franchise, a new league, um, it was one of those things like sink or swim, jump in. And, and I had a lot to learn. I still do have a lot to learn, but uh, I think I, I – gathered more information and learned more about myself in a shorter period of time because I was put in that situation or I put myself in that situation. So I was fortunate to get the opportunity uh, with the National Women's Hockey League. And, and that was Danny Ryland was, was uh, at the time uh, commissioner and, and owner operator essentially of the league. Um, still have a pretty good relationship to this day. Uh, the league's obviously expanding, but at the time I was really fortunate uh, with the New York Islanders. Uh, Eric Karens was a, a Burlington boy. I'm, I'm from Burlington. My mom actually taught him how to skate. Um, there was an opportunity for a second skills coach. They were trying to build a skills team with the Islanders. So I went and interviewed um, and I and became a skills coach at the same time in the American Hockey League for Bridgeport. Oh, cool. So I was actually coaching the, the Riveters. Uh, we practiced in the evenings and then the, the American League team was in the morning. And the skate for the drive from, from New York at the time to, to Connecticut, uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, was only was only about 80 miles. I mean, you had to go through... New York City, but which was tough. So if your your timing was right, and I left it at ten o'clock at night, you now I could get there in an hour and twenty or hour and thirty. 
uh, it wasn't that bad. So I was kind of doing double duty, which again, from building a resume, you know, learning, um, educating yourself, I was, I was really fortunate to have that opportunity. So I spent two years with the Islanders in Bridgeport. Uh, the coaching staff there is unbelievable. Uh, Eric Borgonicki's assistant, Matt Karkner would end up being a guy I played with, was an assistant. Uh, Brett Thompson is their head coach. And, and there's a welcoming environment where even though I hadn't really coached before, or I was coaching women's hockey as, as, as a first-year coach, um, I was in their office every day. Um, they would bounce ideas off me. It was It's, it's one thing I like about hockey is, is egos are usually left at the door. If you're already in that room with those people, they respect you. And, and they want your opinion. So I was fortunate enough to spend three years with the Women's League um, and two years with, with the Islanders. I actually, uh, I, was, I got a job with Guelph Minor as a technical director. So that's why uh, I ended up doing double duty kind of with that and then coaching the Women's League. So I was commuting back and forth uh, for those three years uh, to home because my family stayed stayed back in Guelph. Um, and then I guess after that, the uh, I actually took a job with the Burlington Cougars as a head coach. Um, and that's what... Uh, um, I actually ended up never coaching them. It's, uh, I took the opportunity. We started some camps in the summer. We were building our team. Uh, it was a pretty exciting time. Um, and then an opportunity in Guelph came up and, and, and I was fortunate enough to interview for it with George, George Burnett's the GM head coach. And, uh, next thing you know, a week later, he's offering me a position as the assistant and, uh, it all fit. Uh, it was unfortunate. I think it coached the Cougars. They were, they were, uh, they were happy to see me go in a sense that, uh, you know, they hired somebody who was then promoted quickly. So um, there was no no issues there. They were they were uh, they were happy for me and, and wished me well. And, um, and an opportunity with the, with with golf came up, and I was living at home for the first time in my career uh, yeah. with my family and and commuting 20 minutes down the road or 15 minutes down the road to the rink every day. So uh, again, everything kind of works itself out. It works uh, happens for a reason, right? It's, it sounds cliche, but yeah, uh, I know, believe it's... in it. For sure, and, I uh, that things too. have been things have been good since. So uh, I love it here, and, and don't plan on leaving anytime soon. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. You you finally found. I don't want to say finally, but you found a good spot now, or <laughs> you hopefully relaxing. Like you said, you guys are renovating and stuff now. Hopefully, are able to stay put for a while because you've been you've been a lot of places over the years. <laughs> um, home base having a home base is nice. So yeah yeah I bet. we did want to mention that you you were a big part harper major mentioned you and you were a big part getting harps out for the cougars and playing there so we want to throw that out for our listeners because harper, harper was a popular guest but so now basically you're with the storm you had that magical run obviously that's uh, a great run and uh now you're going into your third year fourth year coaching well, this would have been my third. We, uh, yeah. we spent a lot of time at the rink, but we're not uh, we're not coaching anybody at the time. But uh, yeah, so this will be this will be my third year with the Storm. Uh, I was promoted to associate coach after my first year. Uh, Jake Grimes, who was the associate coach, uh, took a head coaching job in the Quebec League with Cape Breton uh, Screaming Eagles. So a good friend of mine, stay in touch daily almost. Um, so I was fortunate enough to George uh, promoted me to the associate coach and and I had that relationship with George where that. Uh, there's there's a mutual trust and respect, and um, I enjoy working there with him. And he he's one of those guys that, uh, again, the Eagles are left at the door. And you know, if you have an idea, then then say it. And you're not saying he's always going to take your idea, but he's going to listen to your idea. Uh, at the end of the day, it's and you know we leave that office, and you support the decision the head coach uh, ends up making. So um, very fortunate for the opportunity. But yeah, my third year, and and hopefully we get uh, we get some kind of hockey in the in the future in the new year. Um, but if not, then we'll, uh, we'll keep building, prepare for the draft and, and, um, and try to, to get our team best prepared. 
uh, for next season. We've been doing lots with them. Uh, we do Monday Zooms now. It feels like it's been months. Well, I mean, it has been months. Uh, we started off with a lot of team building with our mental performance coach, Ashwin Patel. Um, so a lot of team building, a lot of exercises like that. Then when we had the season that was supposed to start in December, or was it November or December, the first one originally, okay. uh, we, you know, we built our tech pack out. Now we start uh, teaching the tech pack over Zoom, giving our players assignments, uh, really, really productive stuff. Uh, I think it's going to go a long way just, just for having the team, build, team building standpoint. Um, and then when it got pushed back again, we kind of pulled back on the reins of the tech pack because uh, it kind of becomes irrelevant trying to teach uh, systems and prepare guys for a season that might be two or three months away. They're not going to retain that information. So we kind of went back, uh, took a step back, uh, went back to the team building, which is fantastic. I, I believe, you know, when our players do come to camp or the season starts that our younger players are going to feel really, really welcome uh, because we've been on Zoom for probably four months now, four times a month, maybe even longer. Um, and then a lot of our local young guys actually do skate here in Guelph with me. So I think, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, you asked me about when I went to NHL camp or, you know, are you in awe where, where it, for any young player, it's tough. Uh, you go to camp, you're unsure, you dip your toe in the water, you kind of feel your way through it. Well, I think, I mean, and may, this might be a way for a lot of, same for a lot of teams, but I know for us where our, our three or four uh, young guys from the draft that assign that are going to play, they're not going to have to experience that because they've been around the guys for, for six months on the ice and on Zoom. So right. um, that might help their, or speed up their development. For sure. um, so I look forward to, to seeing how that kind of unravels when we do get on the ice, but uh, hopefully soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I don't, I don't think you have anything else, Nate. Yeah, yeah. no, really appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for all your time. And yeah, no problem, guys. Thank you for having me. We wish you the best of luck moving forward. All right, thanks, Nate. Thanks, Mules. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah as well. Thanks so much for doing this, Chad. Really appreciate it. All right. Cheers, guys. Take care. Thanks. See ya. Bye.